everyone, this is Jeff Ebert, and welcome to my podcast, Gospel Wabi Sabi, which, as you'll remember, is a phrase that merges the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth with the Japanese idea of finding beauty in things that are imperfect, things that are changing, things that are subject to decay. And I think this phrase describes how Jesus brought beauty to imperfect and broken people, and how he still does that today, and that's what gives me hope that what Jesus did in the past, he is still doing today. We are working our way through the Gospel of John, looking at these wabi-sabi moments, and we are still in chapter 8 of John's Gospel. We just can't get out of there. Starting with verse 28 now. I was going to try and rush through the rest of this chapter all the way through verse 59, just kind of cram it all into one podcast, but sanity got the better of me. So today in Season 1, Episode 24, we're looking at the verses 21 through 31, and next time we'll continue with the rest of the chapter. Hey, I just want to give you a reminder of Wabi Sabi Wednesday. That's going to be April 20th. It's a special uh, Zoom interactive event for people who are supporters of the Gospel Wabi Sabi podcast. And uh, you're very invited to come and participate in that online. And I'll be sending out the uh, links uh, next week and giving further details about the time. But if you'd like to join us, you can become a supporter. And we'd, be, we'd love to have you uh, join us on that Zoom call. So you can go to the program notes of each episode, and it describes how you can become a supporter really at any level. And we'd really appreciate any kind of financial support that you can give to this uh, podcast. All right, we are picking up in the middle of a long, ongoing debate that John records here in chapter 8. It's a spirited back and forth with the religious leaders who took exception to some of the things Jesus was saying about himself, things that they thought were just outrageous. And Jesus gave it right back to them as good as he got it. Uh, We've seen how he was no wallflower. This is not Jesus meek and mild. This is a bold, in-your-face, confrontational Jesus who refused to be bullied and would not back down. And in this passage, we're going to hear two dramatically different statements by Jesus. The first one contains the most awful, most horrible, most heart-wrenching words ever to come from Jesus' lips, words that you never want to hear from Jesus about your life. The second statement contains some of the most beautiful most powerful, most hopeful words ever spoken by Jesus. And it's quite a contrast as both these two statements come in close juxtaposition because they help us understand the full nature of God and how Jesus perfectly expressed that divine nature. So picking up in the middle of this debate, let's uh, hear the scripture from John 8, starting with verse 21. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below and I'm from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Well, who are you, they asked. Just what have I been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in my judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, 
and what I would have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, Jesus never pulled any punches. A lot of times we do. In an age of tolerance and diversity like ours, we all desire just to get along with people. We want to respect other people's beliefs. We want to present a message that's attractive that folks can respond to. So we talk a lot, a lot about God's love, tend to look at God's love as the summary of the entire gospel message. However, we do not serve people well in our presentation of the gospel if we don't also recognize God is also righteousness. God is love, but he is not just love. God has other qualities that are never in conflict with his love or each other. But the other qualities give us a fuller, more complete picture of the character of God as far as we in our human limitations can understand. Qualities like righteousness, holiness, perfection. And we're told in scripture that because God is righteous, that means there will come a time of eternal judgment, a time when God will judge everything that is contrary to his righteous will and to his righteous nature. That's one of the perks uh, for being God. You get to define what goodness is and what is badness. God's nature is the rule, the standard, the goal. And so there will be a time of accounting when God will judge. And that's not something I made up. It's something taught throughout the Bible. It's something that Jesus spoke about himself over and over again. There will be a moment of truth for each person. By talking about the righteousness of God and eternal judgment, that isn't very popular. I can't tell you how many books and commentaries I read about the Gospel of John that did just kind of a leapfrog right over this passage, just skipped it completely, got on to something else easier to deal with. And I was tempted to do the same thing. I mean, hellfire and damnation preaching is not in vogue. And I'm certainly not intending to rant and rave or pound the pulpit. That's the caricature of Christians that uh, cynics like to use to discredit Christianity. But what I want to point out is that there are some very strong words from Jesus here. And when we leapfrog over them, we're really not looking at the whole gospel, the whole of who Jesus is. A great and important part of the gospel is judgment. You will die in your sins, says Jesus, more than once. I mean, ouch! To this group of cynics and skeptics who have looked at him in the eye and who have mocked and taunted him, Jesus says, if you do not believe in me, you will die in your sins. So please notice the way out from that judgment. Believing in Jesus is the one exemption, the one off-ramp from the path towards judgment. And they had to make a decision about what they believed about Jesus. There are going to be consequences to that decision. And the eternal implications of that, of dying unforgiven, dying separate from God, that's the worst sentence anyone could have spoken over their life. Because Jesus could see into the, the hearts of these people. He could see into the, uh, into the ones who stood before him. And in his divine foreknowledge, 
he saw that the hardness of their hearts would never soften. And so he told them the brutal truth. You will die in your sins because I presented myself to you clearly as the Messiah and you did not believe me. You would call this an audacious statement, exclusive, narrow-minded, except for the one who was saying it. Only Jesus has the right to do so. He's the only one who can say anything about eternal condemnation. We don't have the right to judge anyone's external dest- or eternal destiny. That's never in our job. But it is Jesus' job, and he is going to do it. And not only is he the only one capable of doing it, he's the only one we can trust to do it with ultimate fairness. He's the one we can trust to judge because he's the one who eternally couples the unlimited love and patience of God with the harsh reality of the cross. Jesus told us this back in chapter 5, verse 22. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Unquote. All external judgments is in the hands of Jesus. Who is or who isn't condemned, it's his decision. I'm thankful to leave it in his hands. The most loving and righteous hands of all eternity. But there will be judgment, so don't please don't gloss over that. Don't ignore the confrontational tone of Jesus here. The big question is, what are we going to do with that? Will we look the other way, pretend Jesus didn't say it, pass over it, play theological leapfrog? Or are we going to build this into our whole understanding of a loving and righteous God who did all that he could through Jesus Christ so that no one would ever have to die in their sin? And that leads to the second statement at the end of this reading, beginning in verse 30. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's one that we like to underline. That's a verse we come back to time and time again. The ultimate result of getting in touch with the truth in Jesus, the ultimate result, then, is freedom. Do you believe that? Now, we're not talking about some kind of intellectual truth here. This verse is so often misquoted. In fact, it was engraved in stone on the entrance to my college. Now, originally, they may have understood it when the college was founded back in the 1820s because it was founded as a place to educate uh, frontier pastors. Today, I'm sure it's hardly even noticed. And if it is noticed, I'm sure people don't really understand it. When people hear the phrase today, they think it's about getting a good education, that there's this body of truth out there that if you can gain a sufficient amount of that knowledge, you'll reach a level of personal freedom. And education is important for people to improve their lives. I mean, no doubt about that. But that is not what Jesus meant. And people twist uh, and misunderstand this passage all the time, usually in very bad commencement speeches. The truth. Jesus says real truth is related to a person. To direct people to the truth is to direct them to the one who said it and who backed it up to Jesus himself. The truth about Jesus sets people free. The truth about Jesus sets people free. Connecting with him, connecting with Jesus as the epitome of the truth of the universe, all wrapped up in him, that's what this passage means, and that's it all, that's all it will ever mean. To direct people to a relationship with Jesus himself, because that is what sets people free. 
not political truth or power or military might, not economic prosperity, not the intellectual accomplishments. The truth about Jesus is what sets people free. You can gain lots of knowledge and information from other sources, but if you want truth that transforms life, you're only going to get that from Jesus. Because there are just so many lies in this world, even within us, lies that we believe, lies that we've told, lies that we've had tried to live or truth that we've distorted. Some have given up believing that there is anything called truth. Or our culture tells us that this is kind of an arrogant claim to claim you have a corner on the truth, especially when it comes to anything about God. If you want to get slammed or canceled on social media, just say something exclusive about Jesus and his claims to divinity and his ability to judge human sin. I can remember an article a while ago about uh, actress Sarah uh, Michelle Geller, who started in the television uh, show Buffy the ba Vampire Slayer a long time ago. She told a newspaper that her personal spirituality borrowed from a hodgepodge of religions, and I quote, I consider myself a spiritual person. I believe in an idea of God, although it's my own personal idea. I find most religions interesting, and I've been to every kind of denomination, Catholic, Christian, Jewish, Buddhist. I've taken bits from everything and customized it. That just sounds so sweet and so innocent. Sounds like she's just got an open mind. But what it really means is that she thinks she is smarter than any other religious teacher or any other religion in all of human history. She could put it all together on her own, that she can create the truth of, of the universe. If you follow her version of the truth, you can personally decide what is true for the cosmos. But it is the ultimate in self-pride and really making yourself into God. Now, the good news is that the truth is available to anyone who wants it. We also which also means that, you know, spiritual, emotional, and psychological freedom, that's also possible for people with Christ. With Christ as the central truth of life, you can experience new freedom from some of the hang-ups and habits and hurts and sins that have messed up life. The fundamental question we need to be asking is, what is going to have authority for my life? What's going to be the basis for my beliefs and for my behavior? What's going to be the, the guidebook that I rely on? What's my North Star? What's my compass? When it comes down to it, you have only two options. You either have the world or you have the Word of God. You will either build your life on what culture says or what on Christ says. Which of them do you think is more reliable? The problem with what culture says is that it keeps shifting. Every day it's different. You know, there are 73 million of us in America who are called baby boomers born between 1948 and 1964. That's one out of every three Americans right now. Our entire generation was brought up on a best-selling book, uh, actually second, second most best-selling book compared to the Bible of all time. It was Dr. Spock's uh, baby book. Dr. Spock expressed his opinions about what he thought was the proper way to raise children, and people ate it up. Now, he died back in 1998, and before he died, he held a press conference and basically said, oops, I was wrong. What I said before, that's not the best way to do it with kids. I'm sorry. So just never mind. Of course, it was too late. He wasn't going to give back any of the money that he made on his bogus book. But he was the world's expert on raising children for a while. And then his truth turned out to be not so true. So thanks a lot, Dr. Spock. It's a little late. 
were already dysfunctional. An entire generation was raised on a style of parenting that later studies confirmed just didn't work. In a world where everything is changing day to day, you don't want to put your faith in something you can't depend on tomorrow. In Luke chapter 21, verse 33, Jesus says, Though all heaven and earth shall pass away, yet my word shall stay, remain forever. God's word has stood the test of time. You can trust it as your guidebook, your authority, as your basis. Why? Because it's based on God's character. It's impossible for God to lie. If you want something to build your life on that's solid, you'd better build it on God's truth. In the Gospels, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. He says that phrase over 80 times. 20 times in Scripture, Jesus also says, Now you've heard it said, but I say to you. In other words, he explodes the, the myths that people cling to. He destroys the conventional wisdoms uh, with the actual real truth. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't you want to be spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically stable? Do you want to get it all together? Would you like to experience the kind of life God has meant for you to have? Would you like to be freed from the emotional hang-ups that keep you from being satisfied? It is possible. God can transform your mind and replace the old way of thinking and living with a new system of beliefs based on your relationship with Him. The one key to having that transformation happen in your life is to hold on or to continue. Jesus said, if you hold on to my teachings, in verse 31, if you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Holding on, that involves a choice. It's a commitment. It's a persistence. You need to hear and you need to keep on hearing. And so you need to practice how, to learn, how you learn the truth of Jesus revealed in the word of God. Hearing isn't enough. You need to put it into practice. You're going to practice something. It always takes commitment, repetition, day after day, putting Christ's words into action in your life. And the first step toward being released from the hurts and habits and hang-ups that are messing us up is to make a personal commitment to becoming a person of truth. I want to encourage you to make three commitments regarding the truth of Jesus in your life. First, I commit myself to seeking the truth. You see, it's not always easy or popular to seek the truth uh, because sometimes it contradicts popular opinion. I need to warn you that sometimes the truth is painful. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's disturbing. Sometimes it's dangerous. Sometimes we don't want to face the truth about our past or our present or our future. But it's the only way to find spiritual and emotional health and stability. We need truth to have a stable life. Just from a pure psychological and mental perspective, we need truth. Psychologist uh, Chris Thurman wrote, Truth is the roadmap for negotiating the difficult challenges of life. Without it, we get lost and we develop emotional problems that tell us we're lost. We often settle for half-truths or no truth at all because they are usually easier. But truth is the only road to emotional health. There is no other path, unquote. All right, so second, I want you to commit to the truth. Commit yourself to living the truth. Now, this is just a little bit harder because truth is not something you just know. It's something you do. It's something you practice. It's something you apply and obey. It's something you follow. It's not just an intellectual trip. It's something you put in your life. We ought to be a living Bible ourselves, and that's hard, to walk the talk and not just talk the talk. 
Third, I commit myself to believing in the truth. Jesus came not just so that we could have a role model to follow. He incarnated the truth, uh, John 14, 6, where he says, I am the truth. That forces a decision because it brings a moment of truth. God has given you the freedom to choose what you want to believe. It doesn't force anyone to believe, uh, any belief on anyone. But when you choose to reject God, he says, then be separate from me. Well, how do you go to heaven? There's only one way. It's not by being good. It's not by getting baptized or by taking communion. It's not by giving to the United Way. There's only one way to heaven, to accept and love and to follow the truth in Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the truth. Life doesn't have freedom without his truth. Freedom from sin, from self, from the past, freedom from the future. Christ in his resurrection power comes to us now as a living person and says, I am truth, let me into your life. Open your heart, I will move in with the light of my truth and illumine your life for all eternity. Which of these statements do you want Jesus to speak over your life? You shall die in your sins, or you can be set free. That's what makes this chapter so heavy and so weighty. These are the most important statements anyone will ever hear. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Boy, our world just does not want to hear that at all. And Jesus said, if you hold on to my teachings... You're truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's a lot more positive. People like that better. But both are true. They're polar opposite statements. There is no middle ground. You can't put one foot in one camp and one foot in the other. Jesus says, if you believe, then you're part of my family. If you choose not to believe, there's no middle ground. You've chosen to walk away. And those are some pretty, pretty sobering words. Hope you'll reflect on that a little bit this week. Thanks for listening. 